Well, hey, welcome everybody to Northside Online. So glad that you have made time to join us today. And uh, today we are beginning a brand new series called Light in the Darkness. And uh, for the next couple of weeks, we are going to be looking at the book of Philippians uh, because Paul found himself in a dark place. He found himself actually in a dungeon in jail for following Jesus. And he writes a letter back to the church that he started in Philippi. And uh, what I love about it is this, the whole letter is about reminding them about the essentials of Jesus so that in the midst of their hard time and in the midst of their dark place of life, they would have the light of life that Jesus calls himself to be with them. And we're going to unpack that today. Make sure you have a Bible with you or maybe download the YouVersion app as we get rolling. And uh, one of the things is this, you know, we've got a little bit more time in our hands this week. And so we have come up with a a daily reading of the Psalms that we're going to give you. And uh, you can pick this up on uh, the website. You can subscribe to that. Or if you've already subscribed to our daily prayers, you'll be getting that. But for the next 31 days, we're going to be leading you through a Psalm a day because right now we need the light of life, Jesus, to be speaking in us through his word. And not only that, on Wednesday night, we're going to debut some new content. If you want to go a little bit deeper in your relationship, uh, we on Wednesday night are going to be releasing over the next eight weeks, we're going to be releasing some new content called the Four Movements of Spiritual Formation. And we invite you to watch that on Wednesday night, and then it'll be on demand after that. Uh, And the next weekend uh, is Easter weekend, and we want to invite you to be sharing this on all sorts of social media so your friends and your family can join us for one of our services on Easter weekend. It's going to be an incredible time. And uh, one of the holy habits that we want to continue here is our online giving. You guys have continued to be unbelievably generous, and I just want to say thank you for trusting Jesus. Thank you for letting him be first in your life. And because what you're doing is your generosity is not only helping people here in Southern India, and it's helping people all across the world to know Jesus and see his light and his grace. And uh, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to worship a little bit. Uh, one, we're going to have a time of communion, especially if this is your first time joining us. Uh, we take a, a time where we reflect on what Christ has done for us. We take some bread and we take some juice and we remember that. Uh, and then we're going to open God's word. And today, this is what I'm really excited about. We get to celebrate what God has done through our setting the table initiative. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that if you don't know what that is. Uh, but God is calling us to be people that go set the table so others can know Jesus. So it's gonna be an incredible time today. Let me pray for us and then we'll begin to worship our King. So let's pray together. Father, right now in the midst of the craziness and the chaos, you, we declare, are our one constant. You, by your word, Jesus, it says you hold all things together. And so in the moments right now, Father, of our fears, of our doubts, of our worries, we lift our voice to you, we open our minds, we open your Bible so that you can speak into our lives. And so, Father, I pray right now for those of us who are walking with tremendous amounts of fear and anxiety because of life, of grief and disappointment because school won't finish the way we thought it would, Right now, Father, we center our hearts and our minds on you. We run in the path of your commands, for you have set our hearts free. 
So Jesus, have your way today. May we look more like you today than we did yesterday. And it's in your name that we pray. Now all of us said together, amen. Let's worship him together.
with a melody and you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God chosen me
your name alone. Lord, our worthy Father. During this whole time, uh, we're all on our own journeys through this thing, but I want to share some encouragement with you. That song was born from the Psalms, and a psalm that has jumped out at me and helped me with this process has been Psalm 103. And the King James Version says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. But I was digging into the NLT version, I found something that really connected and just spoke in a conversational way. And it's helped me through this time, and it goes like this. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. I don't know about you, but I have had a chance to pause, to slow down, to look at my life. The distractions have been minimalized, and now I'm going, Lord, you're doing good things every day. You are speaking through my daughter. You're speaking through my wife. You're speaking through the times of silence. Some of you may still be facing busyness or distractions, but we get a chance right now to take this time to remember what Jesus did on the cross, to take the bread and the juice together and remember and come with thankful hearts. I'd love for this to be a time of rest and reflection as we praise the Lord for the good things he is doing in all of our lives, for the good things he is making out of this entire situation we are in together. Let's pause and take this time. Thank him for the cross and thank him for his goodness. Let's take communion together. praise your name. You are holy. You are in control. Lord, we thank you for the love and the peace that you give us through your spirit. Lord, we thank you for the power of the cross, the power of the resurrection, Lord. May that be the truth and the constant that we cling to in this time, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Give us the eyes to see everything you are doing in us and through us. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Well, where do we go from here? I don't know if you've found yourself asking that question this week or not, but I have, especially this week when we found out that school in Indiana will not meet physically in a building for the month of May, and we heard a great groan out loud from all of the parents in southern Indiana. 
as not only parents have discovered, yes, you are your kiddo's parent, but now you're also full-time teacher, principal, and superintendent. And when e-learning doesn't work, it's your job to begin to make up some project for them to do. And we have found ourselves, really, the one word that I've heard a lot of people say over and over again when I've asked how they're doing or what is going on is they use this word, it's just surreal. It's surreal. It's almost like it's not real. It's like we're in a movie. You know, for some of you, and since you're on digital, you can even raise your hand. Some of you, you haven't even showered all week because all you do is you meet on Zoom for work. Go ahead and raise your hand if you're home right now. You haven't even showered all week, right? And nobody knows because, hey, nobody sees you. You're just talking to a camera like I am right now. And we're going, man, we are just in a surreal Time. I saw this picture in New York City of Times Square recently. It looked like a zombie apocalypse. Nobody in New York City down on Times Square. And you just go, man, what is going on? Matter of fact, last weekend when I came in to do the live stream on Facebook before services, I saw a gathering over here and I thought maybe something was wrong. There was a gathering of minivans and they looked like some caravan, like, like some old time wagons that had circled the wagons and all of the rear minivans were facing each other in a gigantic circle. And I pulled up like maybe something was going on and just there was a bunch of moms sitting in the back of the minivans with the backs open, you know, over six feet apart, just talking to each other. And I pulled up and said, everything okay? They go, yeah, just had to get away from my family for a few hours. Thank you, Northside, for your parking lot. Glad we can help. Glad we can help you survive these surreal times. And I know I'm being a little bit lighthearted, but let me be honest. Here's the hard part of where we are. We have no idea the loss, the damage, or how long this season is going to last. We have no idea. Our numbers continue to grow up and things continue to go with all of this virus. And, we, you know, now we're getting delayed on when we can come back. We don't know when we're even going to be able to come back together and meet together as a church. And, man, that can be overwhelming and defeating. And I just want to talk just for a real quick moment. I just want to talk about where we are. And I'm not talking about where we are north side, where we are as a church. I'm talking about here in this world. Because too, too many times, this is what happens when hard moments like this come about in our life, we have no way to process this. And I just want to turn to Romans chapter 8 for a moment because Paul gives these words to the church in Rome because they were facing intense persecution and hard times for being a Christian. And there's a lot of times where we ask those questions. Where do we go from here? And I just want these words from Romans chapter 8 to kind of describe where we are right now in our landscape in life. And listen what Romans chapter 8, verse 22 through 23 says. It kind of defines where we are right now. Paul says this. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. He said the whole creation is groaning. The whole creation knows and has felt the effects of sin. See, this is where the virus comes from. It comes from a broken creation. Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even us as Christians, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. Right now, I just want to remind you, you and I live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. 
And matter of fact, the reason why this is so hard for us in this time to even wrap our minds around this is because literally in the last 75 years, we have become the most advanced time in the period of all of human history. Seriously, we have been more advanced in the last 75 years than ever before. We've created indoor plumbing, thank the Lord, right? Some of you hoarding and selling toilet paper right now, you know, on the black market. But we're going, man, we've never had that for everybody except for the last 75 years. The internet is only about 25 years old. The iPhone is only about 13 years old. For some of you, you've thought it's always been around your whole life. No, it's only been recently. And so when these hard times come about, when you don't get to go to your favorite coffee shop, when you don't get to go to the gym, when you don't get to go to the playground, when you don't get to see your family members, we go, what is wrong? Paul reminds us, you and I live in a broken world and all of creation is groaning. All of creation is longing for this day of redemption, of Christ's return. And he even says, you and I as Christians, we groan inwardly because even though we have Christ and the Holy Spirit in our life, we look around the world and we go, man, this is just not right. So where do we go from here? Where do we go? And how do we move forward? I've been in an email group with a bunch of other pastors trying to learn from one another to say, hey, what are you doing? How are you doing this? How are you helping your people? How are you helping family members who are losing loved ones to the coronavirus? And uh, one guy chimed in last week and he said, what if we moved Easter to June so then we could all be together? And he goes, come on, guys, let's all agree to move Easter to June. Nobody replied to the email. And this is what I began to think about is this. I know that sounds great. Wouldn't it be cool if we could move Easter to June and then we could all be together? And I know that sounds great, but we're not even guaranteed that June will work. And deeper than that, Easter was about these dark moments. See, oftentimes you and I, we want to avoid the darkness in our life, don't we? We want to act like it's not happening. We want to deny. We don't want to read. We don't want to listen because we believe this. If we just don't know about it, we don't have to deal with it. You guys know the phrase, ignorance is what? Ignorance is bliss. So as long as I don't have to think about it, see it, deal with it, I'm fine. And that's not the way that darkness works. Matter of fact, this is what's happened with this virus. It is impacting wealthy, poor, poverty, middle class, upper class. It's hitting everywhere and none of us can run away from it. See, this is the beauty of Easter. Easter didn't avoid our darkness. Easter stepped into our darkness. See, the beauty of Jesus is this. Jesus stepped into our darkness. He stepped onto the cross, and then he stepped out of the grave victorious. And this is why next weekend we will celebrate Easter in our homes, confined under all these rules, because no matter the containment, no matter the virus, no matter what's going on, we have a Savior who has conquered death and sin and who has promised to come back. It's Easter right now. I'm ready to go, if you can't tell. But God is saying this, in the midst of your darkness, I'm stepping into every place place that you are avoiding right now in your life. See, this is the beauty and the power of Jesus. This is the light in the darkness that we talk about. Matter of fact, Jesus begins to talk about this in John chapter 8, verse 12. That's why we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians because it begins to highlight all about Jesus. That's what Philippians is. And Jesus says this about himself in John chapter 8, verse 12. Listen to what he says. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people... He said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
that when you and I begin to follow Jesus, we don't walk in darkness anymore. Not meaning that you and I won't go through hardship like we are, because we are. What he's meaning is this, when you and I begin to follow Jesus, we will not experience the sin patterns and the weight of regret that we cause and bring upon ourselves because he says, I am the light of life. I am the one that comes into the darkness and I lead and move you into the light. And if you're taking notes, and I want to encourage you to bring a journal, to have your Bible with you for the next couple of weeks as we're walking through Philippians, but you might want to write this down. This is what Jesus is saying about himself, is that the light of Christ is brighter than our darkest night. That the light of Christ is brighter than anything that you and I face in the darkness of this world. No matter what you're going through, no matter the grief that you have because your senior year just ended or you don't get to go through graduation or the unemployment or the tough decision that you're making right now. Matter of fact, April 2nd of this week, uh, this last week, was my wife and I's six-year anniversary of her first miscarriage. And we had a moment of conversation on April 2nd. After six years, we've gotten better with it, but there was still just a little bit of that tearful moment this week where we looked at each other and we talked about it and we remembered the loss. And then you know what we remembered? The light of Christ. That the light of Christ is brighter than the darkest night you and I will ever face. My wife actually went through a couple of miscarriages. And in every single dark night, there was the light of Christ carrying us through the darkest moments. I don't know what your dark moment is right now, but you need to know that the light of Christ is here, that the light of the world cannot be put out. Matter of fact, listen what the Psalm says in Psalm 139. It reminds us of the light of God. And if you study the whole light and dark contrast all throughout the Bible, you will see it in the Old Testament from Exodus where the, the Israelites follow God by a pillar of cloud in the day and fire by night. And listen what the Psalm says in Psalm 139, verse 11 through 12. It says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, talking about God. And the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Our God is not afraid of our darkness. He's with us. He's with us. This is why Emmanuel at Christmas means God with us, that the Savior of the world is with you and I right now. And yes, everything may be unraveling in your world, but the light is with us in the darkness. This is why we're going to take literally the next 12 weeks to walk through the book of Philippians because Paul is in a dark place. He has been put in jail for being a follower of Jesus. And here's the, here's the problem about prison at this time. When you go to prison at that time, the prison guards don't bring you anything. It's up to friends and family to provide stuff for you, which meant this. When you got placed in jail, you didn't know if you were going to die or ever get out. Most people, when they went in, they went, okay, this is a death sentence. Nobody knows I'm here. Nobody's for me. And the church in Philippi knew Paul, remembered Paul in his darkness, and would send supplies to him. And he writes back to them in the book of Philippians to encourage them. And he writes with hope and joy in the midst of his darkest moment. 
See, this is why we need God's word. This is why we're going to be giving you psalms to study every day over the next 31 days. Because we need the light of Christ in our darkest moments. And I love this because what happens is Paul, when he begins to write this letter, he focuses on the light of Jesus and and you kind of see him almost get a little ADD in the letter. He goes over here and he talks about Christ in this and really everything wraps around Philippians chapter two, which is the most powerful, what I believe, probably one of the most powerful descriptions of who Jesus is in the entire New Testament. And everything, all of life He talks about suffering. What we're going to talk about is this, how today, how can we have peace in our darkness? He talks about how you can have confidence when you face death. He says this later on. We're going to find in the scriptures in the coming weeks. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He goes on to talk about the secret that he's found about how he can be content in life. We're going to unpack that in Jesus. But I got to be honest. There's something about a crisis that you and I face that leads us to the essentials in life. For some of you, you're rearranging your life and you're focusing everything because you are going through a crisis and it's making you change and reevaluate and put new filters on. Matter of fact, I heard about the US government and the Peace Corps, this is crazy. For the Peace Corps, they put this in the manual for their workers who work in the Amazon jungle because there was a crisis that people were facing and here was the crisis. They were starting to be attacked by anaconda snakes. Imagine the Peace Corps, people just wanting to promote peace, having to be attacked by the anaconda snake. And so the U.S. government had to put in the manual how you deal when an anaconda snake begins to attack you. And literally, this is from the U.S. government manual on this. Listen to what it says. It says, if you are attacked by an anaconda, don't run. The snake is faster than you. This is what it says. Lie flat on the ground, put your arms tight, against your sides and your legs tight against each other. Following here? And then it says this, tuck in your chin because the snake will begin to nudge and climb over your body. Do not panic. Some of you are panicking right now, just imagining an anaconda in your living room. And after the snake, it says, examines you, it will begin to devour you from the feet end. Always the feet end. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and ankles, but do not panic. The snake will devour your legs into its body, but you must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. And when the snake reaches your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take your knife, and gently slide it into the snake's mouth, between the edge of its mouth and your leg. Then suddenly rip upwards, severing its head. And then this was the last point. Do not forget your knife. I'm telling you, there's something about a crisis because I guarantee you this, someone forgot their knife. And Paul writes these words to the Philippians. And he says, I want you to remember the essentials and the darkest moments of your life. Don't forget what life in Christ is all about. 
And if you have your Bibles or you have your Bible app, open up. I'm going to read the first eight verses in Philippians. Matter of fact, what I'm going to read, uh, we're going to even talk about next weekend on Easter. So this is going to cover a little bit of both. We're only going to talk about half of this. But listen what it says in Philippians chapter 1. Because Paul writes out the essentials of our faith in our darkest moments. He says, here's what you can't forget. Here is your knife. Literally, the word of God is called the sword. Meaning this, this is how we fight the darkness. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, meaning the elders and the leaders of the church, grace and peace to you from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And here's why. Because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Can I just say this real quick? I miss you guys. I I can't stop giving people high fives and they're like, don't touch me. And I'm like, that's right. But man, I miss being with you. And Paul misses being with his church family. It's amazing that we can have fresh eyes into scriptures today because we can't be together. But Paul says this, I know you're facing darkness. I know you have not forgotten me in my darkness. And I just want to write a letter to encourage you to keep following the light. And so this is what I want us to look at today. Is to remember that Paul says, here are the essentials of living with light in the midst of our darkness. But what we've got to understand from Paul's words as we begin to open it is this. We can't celebrate the light until we've spent time in the darkness. You and I can't celebrate the light that Christ is for us and has for us unless we acknowledge that you and I are in darkness. And you and I are facing stuff. And he says, here's how you face the darkness If you're taking notes, this is what he opens with. He says, grace and peace to you from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, here's the essential. Here is the rock bottom foundation. Here's how you move forward. How do we go from here? Where do we go? Paul says it always begins with the grace and peace of Jesus. Meaning this, here's the essential for you and I to make it through in this time is this. You and I need to grow in grace and live in peace. We need to grow in grace and live in peace. This is why he says, don't forget this, because here's what grace and peace does. We don't really know the contextualization of this, but grace was for the Gentiles. Grace was for the non-Jews. This is how the world came together. See, Paul in Jesus is about bringing all people back to this relationship with Jesus. This is why we say our whole mission here is to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. It's not enough just for me to be connected. It is about everybody experiencing the grace and the peace of Jesus. And the grace means this, for you non-Jewish people, which if you're not Jewish, and some of you are like, am I I Jewish? If you don't know if you're Jewish or not, you're you're probably not, all right? And so the grace is for those I'm not, you know, most of us aren't. We're going, the grace is for all of those who are outside of God's people. 
the Jewish nation. And God is saying, in Christ, I am bringing all of the outsiders in. That's why he says grace. And then he says peace, which was the term shalom for all of the Jewish nation to understand Jesus is the true Israelite. Jesus is your true savior. He is the Messiah. And the beautiful thing about the Jewish tradition is this. They believe that when sin entered the world, sin impacted our relationship with God our relationship with ourselves. This is why many of us have self-image and self-esteem issues. Sin has come in and distorted the way you view yourself, the way you think about yourself. They also believe sin has impacted our relationships with one another and sin has impacted all of creation. And what Paul begins to say is this, we have to remember in our dark moment, we have to remember the light of Jesus in his grace and in his peace, that you and I would grow in grace and we would learn how to live more in peace. And some of you are going, Nate, what do you mean grow in grace? Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter two. It's the best description of grace. I wanna even encourage you to memorize these three verses because it will lead you in this dark time of what it looks like to grow in grace. Listen to what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. This is how he describes grace. He says, for it is by grace that you are saved. He says, this is how you're saved, by God's grace, not by your works. He says, and through faith, you placing your faith in Jesus, what he did on the cross. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, this is the beauty of growing in God's grace. One, it's this, this is how you and I are saved. This is what I love about grace. It's not about you making yourself new, it's about grace making you and I new. See, it's not about reinventing ourselves, it's not about changing everything, it is about letting grace change us. This is what it means to be saved by grace, that you go, God, I can't make up for my wrong and I don't need to try to deny my wrong and I don't need to compare myself you know, this is the problem sometimes with, in the midst of this virus, we get this sideways and, and someone will say this, hey, well, at least we're not Italy right now. That hadn't really solved anything for us. See, the grace of Jesus does a work that you and I in this entire world cannot do. But see, it's not just that he saves us through this grace, it is a gift from God. I think part of the humbling thing right now going on in our country is this. We are good at creating. We are good at making things happen. And right now, you and I are totally helpless. And it's a humbling and scary place to be. But here's the reality. Someone or something will always be our grace and peace in life. It's just now being revealed to us. This is why we put our hope and our trust in Jesus because we're going no matter what, he is our grace, he is what saves us, he is the gift, he is what happens to us. And then here's what happens when we believe in this gift of God, it allows us to rejoice. Paul is rejoicing, he's saying, I rejoice every time I think about you because I remember the grace and mercy and the peace of Jesus. That even if I'm in jail, I can have joy. I don't have to act like my problems aren't gone away, they're here, but Jesus transcends jail. And not only does he transcend jail, he gives us permission to grieve when there's brokenness in the world. See, one of the greatest things that you and I need to do right now is grieve what we're losing. For some of us, we grieve the loss literally right now of loved ones because of the coronavirus. 
Some of you are grieving the opportunity to be with the church family, to be with family members. Personally, I know for us, our family can't see my grandpa in the nursing home right now because you're not allowed in. And it grieves us. It grieves us. But I love what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. I love what he says this. He says, here's what we got to understand, though. Because of this, this grace that we have in Jesus, you and I do not grieve like the rest of mankind who do not have hope. See, when the grace of Jesus comes in, we always have hope no matter the darkness that we face. This is the beauty of God. And then he says this. This is what grace does. It saves us by faith. It's a gift from God. And then it says this. It reminds us that you and I are God's workmanship. You and I are what God wants to work in this world about who we are. And he has created you and I for good works. We are in the image of God. We are to create. He says, I want you to create, but I want you to create from a place of grace. I don't want you to create from your own place and you being your own savior. I want you to, to create and imagine. Matter of fact, uh, our daughter, she's seven years old. Her best friend, Maddie, her parents are some of our good friends. Uh, her parents built her during this time of spring break. They built her a zip line in the backyard. They sent a video out. This is one of the coolest things. This is because God has made us in his image. Take a look at this homemade zip line that they did last week in their backyard. I think it's one of the coolest things. Take a look at this video. I'm going, man, that's the coolest thing. Just somebody's going, you know, I'm going to make a homemade zip line in my backyard. I'm like, I don't think that way. I think that's awesome. Well, then Maddie's mom thought, hey, I want to do the zip line too. That looks really cool. Take a look at her doing the zip line right now. Ready? Yes. Whoops-a-daisy. Turns out you can't take the hook off the line. You don't zip real well when that happens. And man, I saw that on Facebook. I think I laughed for about five minutes straight. There's something sick inside of me that I love to see people fall or get hit in their head. Pray for your pastor, would you? And uh, this is what happens, man. We can create. And even when we create, we're not perfect. But this is why you and I need God's grace. Because even in our best ideas and even in our best moments, we still need the grace of God to save us. But Paul says this. He says, grace and peace. He says, grow in the grace of God. Feel free to admit your failures. That's how you are saved. Jesus, I need you. And then he says this. Live in peace. The grace and the peace. See, here's the beauty of peace. Jesus says this about the peace. He says this in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know why you and I need the peace of Jesus in our lives? Because our hearts are troubled. And we're afraid. I don't know what's troubling you today. And I don't know what you're afraid of. Maybe for some of you right now, you received the hard news about a family member. 
Or you received the difficult news that even though you might have been a leading salesman, they were cutting back. And even though you did everything right, you lost your job. Or maybe in this moment, you're finally coming face to face with the reality of the darkness of your past choices. And you are faced with the consequences. My peace, I give you. My peace, I leave with you. And I don't give as the world gives. Because the world can't bring you the peace that only Jesus can. The peace that transcends the troubles of your heart. The peace that transcends all of your fears. See, this is why Paul starts in Philippians. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew he could not make it through jail, through the darkness of his life, without the foundation of grace and peace. See, you and I, we don't need to go and create all a bunch of new things in our life. We don't need to escape things. We just simply need to allow the grace and the peace of Jesus to be the foundation of our life. Because this is the other thing that happens he goes into. This is what I love. This is what he says in verse 3 through 5. Right after that, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, listen to what he says, I always pray with joy. Paul, how are you praying with joy? You're in jail. I always pray with joy. And here's how. Because of your partnership in the gospel. Because you and I are following Jesus together. And from the first day until Now, you know how he's having joy in the midst of the darkness is because this is the essential thing that Paul remembers. You and I never face the darkness alone. You and I face the darkness together. This is how he's having joy. This is how you and I get through our dark times. It's not if you can make it by yourself, if you can bear it. It means this, Paul is writing to remind them, you and I, we face the darkness together because you and I are partners in the gospel. See, it's not about just our goodness. It's not just about what we can do. This is about you and I linking arms together in the grace and the peace of Jesus. And because here's, let's be honest, a lot of times we're afraid when we're by ourselves in the dark. Some of you, you're grown men. You're still afraid of the dark. You got a nightlight going on, right, in the bathroom. You go, oh, it's for the kids. It's for you. Don't lie, right? And here's what happens. A lot of times in the darkness, we're afraid by ourselves. And here's the beauty of Jesus. Jesus says this. No, the gospel, the saving grace and peace of me is about you and I going through the darkness together. And I'll be honest, when I'm with other people in the dark, I'm not afraid anymore. And Paul, in this darkest moment of the jail cell, just him and Timothy, they remember the church in Philippi, and it brings them great joy. You know why I miss gathering? It's not so we can be in this room together. It's because when I'm around you, you bring me great joy. You propel me 
in my following of Jesus. You encourage me to keep after, keep growing in grace, keep living in peace. Matter of fact, last night, our life group had our first Zoom group. And uh, none of us are really technology coordinated, man. So it was pretty hilarious watching us fumble through it. But it has been so cool to see each other, even just digitally, and to pray for one another. Matter of fact, uh, one of the guys uh, in, the, in our group started on Version. It's a Bible app. You can do some reading plans. He started a seven-day reading plan. And what's so cool is you read something, then you put comments, and we're reading, and we're confessing stuff, and we're encouraging one another, and we're making fun of each other because that's what a good life group does. You keep each other humble. you got to crack on each other. And every time I read somebody else's message, man, I am full of joy, and I can't wait for the day that we can be back together. Because I remember our partnership in the gospel. And I want to celebrate something right now. Something that our church has gone through over the last several months. It's our partnership and our setting the table initiative. And maybe if you're new, you haven't been a part of this or you don't know what we've been up to for the last couple months. Uh, But literally over the last two months, this has been unbelievable. Not last two months, the last two years, we have grown by over 20% as a church. Literally, it has been gangbusters here. It has been crazy. We are out of room. We changed service times. We added stuff at the video venue. We did all sorts of different things. And we're out of kid side space. We're out of auditorium space. And so God led us on this journey. And what we said is this, three things we wanted to be committed to as we partner together in the gospel. One is our mission to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. And we said we are in on this because we have outgrown all that we have. And we said we want to, you know, we want to go after the mission over the next two years. And this is how we broke down the initiative. We did a one fund within this generosity. And we said we want to be about mission. Actually, we're going to put the numbers up on the screen to really kind of say this is what we're after. Because our number one thing in this is 100% engagement. It's not even about an overall number. It is about 100% of us going after the things of God together. And what we said is this, over the next two years, our budget will be $7.5 million each year over the next two years. So that's $15 million. Just, this is just mission. The next thing is this, we need to make room. We need to make room in our auditorium. We need to expand our kids' side space. We're out of room. We have space currently to do that. And what happens is that number came back over the next two years. It's going to cost $10 million for all the renovations so we can make room for people to be able to experience the church and the grace and peace of Jesus. And then the last thing is this, we wanted to begin to multiply as a church. And so we wanted to pay off all of our debt over the next two years And so we said, in the next two years, we raised another $3 million, we'll be debt-free. And so the total over the next two years is $28 million. And again, here's the goal on all of this. The goal isn't the number. The goal is 100% engagement from all of us. All of us taking a step of generosity out of grace and peace so that others can know grace and peace. And right now, I want to show you guys a video that summarizes our journey of setting the table, our time at the Yum Center, and our time of our commitment weekend, which was literally just a month ago, even though it feels like a year ago because of everything. And take a look at how God has moved in the life of his church. Take a look at this. 
For the past 50 years, God has been setting the table for people all over Southern Indiana to taste the grace of Jesus Christ. In the past two years, we have seen enormous growth at Northside and seen a huge influx of families joining God here. I know just from volunteering in the Discovery Town in the nursery, we are running out of space. You don't want to turn away families, so it's important to expand the space in the church and utilize the space we have. We knew that we came to Northside as two very broken people, and we know how God has moved in our lives, and we know that there are so many more broken people out there that haven't been reached yet, and we want others to be able to experience what we've experienced here, and we know that we're out of room. The church needs to grow so we can have room for new people to come to the table with us. Setting the table is truly building a legacy of who Jesus is. Just telling people, inviting people in and letting them know who Jesus is and not trying to complicate it. Just trying to say Jesus is love, Jesus is good. Setting the table for us means stretching out, stretching out to strangers, stretching out to people who we wouldn't normally think we'd have at our dinner table. A lot of churches provide for the parents or they provide for the kids. Northside has included all of our family and made a place for us to sit at the table. And that has been a blessing that it's hard to put into words. God can take anything that we have. You know, just like Nate had talked about the little boy with the fish and the loaves of bread and how he was able to feed thousands with that. So with our talents, with our abilities, we can really show the love of Christ to everybody and just really make an impact in our communities. On my setting the table card, I write it, I can help people with special needs. The friend's name who I put on the avocado, we met about in third grade. If my friend started coming to church, it would be a lot of fun because I get to hang out with her more and we can talk about Jesus. I decided that I was going to sacrifice getting my nails done because I was like super obsessed with that for so long. So I'm going to use that money over the next two years to um, give to the church. It was just a wonderful feeling to go down in front and so many people uh, doing the same thing and just shows the spirit of this church and how God's moving in a mighty way. It's not about the destination of, you know, getting 40 people at your table. It's about the journey of just inviting one and seeing where it takes them because you don't know what that's gonna do for others. And I can honestly say that now that the table's been set for me, all I wanna do is set the table for others because I want others to be able to feel the same joy that I felt, be it in their family, in their personal life, or whatever, because it's been truly life-changing for me. Man, I miss you guys. And I love the story of God, of how he is saying it. His table is for everybody. God doesn't care how far away you are from him. He is for everybody. And in Jesus, he has created the grace and the peace for you to live in, for you to be set free from the darkness. And he has called us to be table setters in this world. And yes, we are setting a digital table right now. That is not what I thought was going to happen when we started this series. We were talking about expanding the seats, and God's like, yep, I'm going to expand the digital reach first, and then we're going to expand the seats. And again, our goal with setting the table was this. It's not a number. Our goal was saying 100% of us taking a faith step of generosity, of praying, God, how are you calling me to make room at your table for others? And I want to celebrate this with, uh, with you. Before I talk about how much you guys have committed and expected giving to come in over the next two years, before I talk about that, I, I just want to talk about 
a couple of things. One is this. We had, and this number was unbelievable, the amount of first-time givers in our church history. The amount of first-time givers for our Setting the Table initiative was 2,559 people. Unbelievable. If you're in your house, you might want to do a cartwheel or two because that is a massive step of faith. I don't care if it was $5, a $100, I don't care the amount. It was you saying this, Jesus, my life is going to be about your grace and your peace. It's not going to be about me. And you took that step of faith to say you have given your grace and now I get to give that grace to others as well. And I want to help set the table. I am blown away by your partnership in the gospel. I am full of joy because we are linking arms together. Another number that's incredible is this. The amount of people, we were talking about 100% engagement, the amount of people that this represents, of people who gave to setting the table, is 5,254 people. Unbelievable. Unbelievable faith, grace, peace, and following Jesus. And so here was the commitment number that you guys have committed to, and there's expected giving over the next two years. We know the goal was $28 million to do it all, except you guys together have committed to give $31.2 million so that more and more people would know the grace and peace of Jesus. Can you just go ahead and clap in your living room? This is unreal because we're partnering the gospel together. Now, let me give you a couple of insights on this. We know that when commitment weekend happened, we are not where we were. Matter of fact, I want to give you a couple of insights. One is this. We still have cards coming in. People are still literally this week. Here we are a month later after commitment weekend. They're still sending their cards in. And if you haven't been a chance, haven't had a chance to be a part, we want to invite you. You can go on to our website. There's a digital card you can fill out. If you've got questions, you can contact us. And so we don't know. Maybe that number will even go up. I mean, that's unbelievable. We also are very aware of what's going on right now with the financial crisis in our country. And I want to just kind of be real clear here. That commitment card is not a legal binding contract. That is just a faith step between you and Jesus and what he's called you to do. Matter of fact, some of you have already started giving. And this month was to begin the time where we would begin to give as a one fund for all of that. And so I want to invite you, if you haven't started to give to that, now will be the time. But I also want to give you permission to be able to talk with God about where you are right now in your life. We do not give out of guilt. We are not going to pressure you into that. All we're going to do is this. We're going to invite you to pay attention to what God is doing in your life and to step out by faith. By faith. By faith. Matter of fact, somebody said, so when does construction start? Uh, matter of fact, construction was supposed to start this May, uh, but the permit buildings, you know, with the government and everything, all of that shut down. So we don't know the exact timeline. Matter of fact, Steve Nash, our builder, said, well, you know, I could build all of this in a year if you guys could just quit having church. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, right. Do not doubt Jesus' ability. He can do anything. 
But right now, we're waiting for the permits to come back. We'll keep you posted on the timeline, but this is what we know. We're going to follow Jesus. He has set the table for us with his grace and his peace, and we're going to continue to set the table of grace and peace for this world. And here's what I invite you to do. During this season that you and I have had unlike any other, grow in grace, live in peace, and let's face the darkness together. Let's partner in the gospel together. Let's continue to follow Jesus in the darkness together because he's able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that in the midst of all of this darkness, of all of this disease, here is your light shining bright in southern Indiana. And not just here, but Father, we know we got people tuning in from Romania. We got people tuning in all over the world, Lithuania. Father, we have all of these different countries because, God, you are about grace and peace for everybody. God, your gospel is for everyone. And so, Father, I pray right now that our hearts would be stirred. That, Father, if there are people watching who have not accepted your grace to be saved, Jesus, by what you've done, that over this next week and maybe next week, that, God, they would give their lives to you. They would allow you and your grace of what you did on the cross to save them and set them free. Her Father, God, for those of us who are afraid and troubled right now, that, God, we would rest in your peace, that you would lead into all things. Because, Jesus, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And everyone who follows you will not go into darkness, but we will have the light of life. So today, Father, we say that Jesus is our light. We're not looking to anything else but him. So may you get glory and honor in our lives today. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen. We got some questions right now. We want you to process this sermon together as a family or friends. Take some time to process these questions, and we will see you here next week or throughout the week. God bless you guys.